Hello, and welcome to Field Notes, the weekly podcast of the Military Fellowship Center in Jacksonville, North Carolina, serving Marines stationed at Cap Lejeune and surrounding areas. Military Fellowship Center is a ministry of Military Evangelism Incorporated. Our speaker and host for the program is Dave Mason, the General Director of Military Evangelism and the Field Director at Jacksonville. Visit us on the web at militaryfellowshipministry.com or email us at militaryfellowshipctr at gmail.com. Now, here's Dave Mason. John chapter 7, and starting in verse 19 this week. Did not Moses give you the law, and yet none of you keepeth the law? Why go you about to kill me? The people answered and said, Thou hast a devil, who goes about to kill thee? Jesus answered and said unto them, I have done one work, and you all marvel. Moses therefore gave unto you circumcision, not because it's of Moses, but of the fathers, and you on the Sabbath day circumcise a man. If a man on the Sabbath day receives circumcision, that the law of Moses should not be broken, are you angry at me because I've made a man every whit whole on the Sabbath day? Verse 24, judge not according to appearance, but judge righteous judgment. Now, again, Jesus is at the um, feast in the temple in Jerusalem. He's teaching. Uh, He's gone up for this feast. And he starts teaching, and now some of the, uh, the, the, the keepers of the law, the Jewish leaders, come up and start questioning him. Um, he's just been instructing them, and, and the visiting Jews from out of town are now asking about him and about his doctrine and about the will of God. And he finds himself at the end of some pointing fingers. A lot of people have decided to take this opportunity to tell Jesus why they're upset with him and why they think he's a fraud. Now, we're going to look this episode at righteousness and judgment. Now, the Jews of Jesus' day thought that he was unrighteous because he performed a miracle on the Sabbath. And Jesus has to teach them and us that works of righteousness are not bound by man-made customs. He has to teach them and us to use righteous judgment, Bible judgment, to judge one another based on our feelings, our ideas, or our preferences. That's unbiblical. If we judge one another based on how we feel, what we think, what we prefer, that's unbiblical. If we judge, the Bible should be the only barometer, the only plumb line, the final authority. Verse 19 again. John chapter 7, verse 19. Did not Moses give you the law, and yet none of you keepeth the law? Why go you about to kill me? The people answered and said, Thou hast a devil. Who goes about to kill thee? And so Jesus argues with them using Scripture. You see, to the Jew of that day, fanatical adherence to the law was salvation. To the lawyers, to the scribes, to the Pharisees, the Sadducees, that was salvation. Fanatical adherence to the law of Moses. They prided themselves on keeping the law. And just before this was said, just before Jesus had this conversation, the entire law had just been read out loud in the temple. And so Jesus speaks to them and shows them that that in their hearts they want to kill him. And yet the law says, thou shalt not kill. Thou shalt not commit murder. 
And he is previewing here what he's going to make clear in verse 24 at the very end here. He's going to say, do not judge according to appearance, but judge with righteous judgment. You see, religionists are always trying to cover their sins. People who are interested in religion. I hope if you're listening to this podcast, you're not interested in religion. Religion kills. Religion says that if I do certain things, God will be happy with me. That is not the truth. Jesus hates that. The truth is is that God loved us so much that He came Himself to this earth in the form of His Son. He did everything necessary for us to go to heaven. The only act we have to engage in in order to access the salvation God offers us is belief, surrender, to give up our right to be right and let Him be our God. And the Jews hated that Jesus was revealing sin, Because a religious person is always in the process of covering up their sin. They hated his preaching because it revealed sin. They hated his preaching because they couldn't answer it. I mean, you you go forward in chapter 8, when we get to chapter 8, the woman caught in adultery. They can't answer what he says to them because it's the truth. And today, in our day and age, it's hard to get folks to attend Bible-believing, Bible-preaching churches because they don't want to hear the truth. That's why Christianity is so unpopular today, because it's the truth, and people hate the truth. The truth reveals sin, and people don't want to be reproved. They don't want to be rebuked. They don't want to be told they're wrong. I hope that's not you. I hope because you're listening to this, you realize that you're not everything you should be. You need teaching. You need help, right? That's why we go to church. That's why we listen to Bible teaching on podcasts and on the radio and such, and why we read commentaries and such, because we know we don't understand everything and we need help because we know we're wrong. Sometimes more often than not, we're wrong. And so we need to have the truth. And the Bible is truth. And Paul says to Timothy in 2 Timothy 4.2, Preach the word, be instant in season and out of season, reprove, rebuke, and exhort with all longsuffering and doctrine. He's saying basically, Timothy, here's your job. Preach. Preach the word. Two-thirds of preaching is going to be negative. Reproving and rebuking. Showing people their sins and telling them that they're wrong. And then exhort them to forsake those sins and move forward. And then he says, For the time will come when they will not Endure sound doctrine, but after their own lusts, they'll heap to themselves teachers having itching ears, and they'll turn away their ears from the truth, and shall be turned unto fables. Wow. Fables. And that's what we see today. Folks turning away from the truth and turning unto theory. Fables. Possibilities. Not listening to the truth, but... Worshipping the altar of man's own intellect. So the Jews, they don't want to hear it. So what, what do they do? They do what people always do when they get confronted with the truth. They blurt out the first thing they can think of. They say something horrible. They accuse you of something even worse than what they're guilty of. So they say to, the, to Jesus, well, you must be possessed. You have a devil. Now remember, these are visitors. And so they didn't necessarily know about the plot to kill Jesus, but they knew what people have been saying about him. Because that statement, thou hast a devil, that's an accusation leveled at Jesus throughout his ministry. In Matthew 12, he casts out a demon and people say, you did that by a devil. You have a devil. Right? 
In John 8.48, his characters question and they say, You have a devil. You're demon-possessed. John 10.20, You have a devil and you're mad. You're a devil, you have a devil and you're insane. That's what they said about him. And so these folks are just repeating what they heard. It says in verse 21, Jesus answered and said unto them, I've done one work, and you all marvel. Moses therefore gave unto you circumcision, not because it's of Moses, but of the fathers. And you, on the Sabbath day, circumcise a man. If a man on the Sabbath day receives circumcision, that the law of Moses should not be broken, and you're angry at me because I've made a man every whit whole on the Sabbath day? What's wrong with you guys? Now look, he knows they're mad. He's referring back to John 5.18, where he says, Therefore the Jews sought all the more to kill him, because he not only broke the Sabbath, but also said that God's his Father, making himself equal with God. There's, there's uh, something for you folks out there that say Jesus isn't God or never claimed to be God right there. He claimed to be God. He said that God was his Father, making himself equal with God. He claimed to be the very Son of God, God in the flesh. And he broke the Sabbath by healing a man. And so the Jewish religious rulers, they wanted him dead. First of all, because he broke the Sabbath, and then because he called himself God. What was so horrible that he did on the, on, on the Sabbath day? He healed a crippled man at the Pool of Bethesda. And that one act triggered the ruling Jews to plot his death. Instead of glorifying God that a man had been her, miraculously healed, they would not forgive Jesus for performing a miracle on the Sabbath. A miracle! And so he says, wait a second, you circumcise men on the Sabbath because you don't want to, I mean, you break the law of Moses so that you won't break the law of Moses. <laughs> you, you don't want to break the law of Moses by not circumcising, so you circumcise on the Sabbath, by, and that's breaking the law because that's a work. Now listen, no doubt circumcision is a work. It's a good work, but a work nonetheless, right? According to the law, it's, it's something that the Jews were supposed to do. Okay. If the Jews broke the law of the Sabbath to perform a good work, why were they mad? Why were they mad at Jesus for performing a miracle on the Sabbath? Well, here's the thing. The problem was that the Jews observed the letter of the law rather than the spirit. The letter rather than the spirit. All this is leading us to this one statement, and that is the purpose of our entire study this week on Field Notes. And it's this statement right here. Verse 24, judge not according to appearance, but judge righteous judgment. You hear this all the time. This is the, this is the one thing that non-believers will throw in our face all the time. This is the reason that Christians are called haters today. We're called intolerant. We're called backwards. We're called uh, stuck in the past. We're called all sorts of horrible things because we supposedly judge other people because we say certain things are sins. Specifically today, it's because we call certain sexual acts to be sins. Basically, any sexual act that's not between a man and a woman uh, that, who are married, we say is a sin. Well, the reason we say it's a sin is because that's what the Bible says. But that makes us intolerant. That makes us backwards. We need to come into the 21st century, blah, blah, blah. It's always that. And, they, and so what do they say? What do folks say to us? The Bible says you can't judge me. 
It says, thou shalt not judge. Well, it doesn't actually say that at all. See, most often, man judges according to appearance and not according to fact. The Bible is very clear that we are allowed to judge, but our judgment must be based in fact, must be based in Scripture. So what does the Bible actually say about judging? What does it actually say? Well, number one, it says that if we're going to judge, if we're going to point out sin, wrong things in someone else's life, if we're going to say to someone, hey, this is wrong, what you're doing is wrong, this is against God, then we must be willing to be judged with the same standard that we judge. Matthew 7, 1. Here's the, here's the verse. Everybody quotes this all the time. Everybody quotes this one verse. They go, judge not. Well, that's only half the verse, but that's all they say. Judge not. See, the Bible says you can't judge. Well, let's read the whole thing. Judge not that you be not judged. For with the judgment you judge, you will be judged. And with the measure you meted out, it'll be measured to you again. Why do you behold the mite, the little tiny speck, the little splinter in your brother's eye, but you don't realize there's a two before, a beam in your own eye? How are you going to say to your brother, let me pull that little mote out of your eye? And behold, there's a beam, a pole, a log sticking out of your own eye. Verse 5, Thou hypocrite, first cast out the beam out of thine own eye, and then shalt thou see clearly to cast the mote out of thy brother's eye. You see, why does Jesus say, don't judge? He says, because if you judge most of the time, you're guilty of the thing that you're judging. And you're guilty even more. It's something we do as human beings. We, we hide our sins by pointing them out in other people. That makes us look better. We go on and do our sin in private when nobody's watching. But we hide our sin partly by pointing out sin in other people's lives. Most likely, usually, the same sin we're guilty of. Because then people don't expect us to be guilty of those sins because we're pointing that sin out in somebody else's life. And Jesus says, if you're going to point out sin, it's fine. But don't point it out unless you're willing to be judged by the same standard. Because you're usually guilty of the same thing. So we should judge ourselves. Before we judge someone else, we need to judge ourselves. Luke twelve fifty seven. Yea, and why even of yourselves judge ye not what is right? Judge yourself. Judge yourself first. Check yourself. Find out what's going on in your life. Don't be intentionally ignorant to your own faults. And then you can help point out fault if you have to. But I'd encourage you to try not to, but to try something else. Before judging, you need to learn how to love. Before you learn how to judge, you got to learn how to love. Think about this. 1 Corinthians 13, 1. Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels and have not love, I'm like sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and knowledge, and though I have all faith, so I could remove mountains and have not love, I'm nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned and have not love, it profits me nothing. Love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy. Love doesn't vaunt itself. Love is not puffed up. It does not behave itself unseemly, does not seek its own, is not easily provoked, thinks no evil, rejoices not in iniquity, 
but rejoices in the truth. Before we learn to judge, we need to learn how to love. I got news for you folks. If you learn how to love, and if you'll truly love people deeply, you'll be able to point out the things in their life and help them. But you'll be doing it in a much kinder and softer way. You ever heard the phrase when you were a little kid, you get more flies with honey than with vinegar? That's the problem with most judgment. Most folks are judging with anger in their hearts. Anger in their hearts. You need to judge with love, with tears, with compassion. I remember hearing a story about a preacher one time, read another preacher's sermon in a gospel paper, and he loved that sermon so much he thought, man, I'm going to preach this sermon. I'm going to preach it the way I know my brother preached it. So he got in his pulpit the next Sunday, and he preached that sermon, hellfire and damnation, hollering and shouting and, and just just telling people like it was. The next week he got a cassette tape in the mail with his friend's sermon on it. And his friend preached that sermon weeping the entire time. There's a difference, folks. If you love people, if you care, if your heart's broken for them, then when it's time for you to point out their sin, you'll have the moral right to do so. And you won't do it in anger. You'll point it out with tears. And finally, I'd say this. Our judgment should never be based on our preferences. Should never be based on our preferences. Romans chapter 14, verse 1. Receive the one who's weak in the faith, but not to dispute over doubtful things. For one believes he might eat all things, but he who's weak eats only vegetables. Let not him who eats despise him who does not eat, and let not him who does not eat judge him who does eat. For God has received him. Who are you to judge another servant? To his own master he stands or falls. Instead, he will be made to stand, for God is able to make him stand. So, who, what is he saying here? He's saying, who are you to judge God's servant? Maybe God has given this person liberty to eat the things that you don't think you should be able to eat. Back in the early days of the church, there was still a big, big discussion about whether or not we could eat pork or shellfish or other types of meat that were forbidden by the law. But then once Peter had the vision of the sheet coming down from heaven and God said, I made all things clean. And a lot of the church started realizing that they're no longer held by the, by the ceremonial law or the dietary laws. But the moral law is still in effect. But the ceremonial law is not. The dietary laws are not. But some still felt like they had to stick to that. And, and Paul says, well, if that's how they feel, leave them alone. Don't judge them. And if you're one of those people who thinks that you can eat that stuff, and you've got a brother who thinks he can, don't judge him. He's, he's God's servant. Who are you to judge somebody else's servant? He stands or falls before God alone. He goes on to talk about days. He goes, one, people, one person esteems one day above another, another esteems every day alike. That he's become fully convinced in his mind. We've got people today arguing. We've got people in Bible churches, Baptist churches, fundamental churches, non-denominational churches arguing about whether or not the Sabbath should go back to Saturday. I got news for you. We don't even know if the Sabbath was on Saturday. We know it was in Jesus' day because of the Julian calendar, but we don't know when the Sabbath actually happened. And the fact of the matter is that the early church moved its day of worship from Saturday to Sunday because the Lord rose early Sunday morning. It's the Lord's day. But if you want to worship on Saturday, go ahead. If you want to esteem it, go ahead. But don't get, don't go telling us 
that worship on Sunday that we have the mark of the beast or some silliness like that. That's wrong. Why? Because none of us lives to ourselves and none of us dies to ourselves. If we live, we live to the Lord, verse 8. If we die, we die to the Lord. Therefore, whether we live or die, we're the Lord's. <laughs> For to this end Christ died and lived again, that he might be Lord of both the dead and the living. But why do you judge your brother? Or why do you show contempt for your brother? For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. Listen, if you believe something that I know for fact is wrong, or, or but it, but it doesn't have anything to do with your salvation, and it's not gonna it's not gonna affect whether or not you truly believe in Jesus Christ. I'm gonna give you liberty if it's something minor. I'm gonna give you liberty. I'm not gonna judge you on that. I'm gonna leave you alone. You have the right to be wrong. <laughs> I have the right to be right, and you have the right to be wrong. When we get to heaven, we'll figure out who's right and who's wrong. Now, major things. Well, then we're gonna we're gonna have to split fellowship on major things. If you if you come to the decision Jesus wasn't born of a virgin, I, I'm gonna have a problem with you. If you come to the, re, to the decision that the blood of Jesus was of no effect, I'm gonna have a problem with you. If you if you say that Jesus isn't coming back, I'm gonna have a problem. But the minor things. If if you decide you don't want to eat pork, hey, more for me. I, I'm not worried about that. I'm not gonna judge you on that. I'm gonna. If you ask me, I'm going to tell you I think you're wrong. But, hey, I'm probably wrong about some things too. Aren't you? Why do you judge your brother? Why do you show contempt for your brother? For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. Plain and simple. Each one of us shall give him account of himself to God. The single greatest area where judgment is wrongly applied in the church of Jesus Christ today is in this area of legalism. And that's what Jesus is talking about here. Appearance. Appearance. Verse 24 of our text, Judge not according to the appearance, but judge righteous judgment. We have folks who won't... Look, look, when I was a young preacher, I, w I belonged to a fellowship of preachers. And when I grew my first beard as a young man in my mid-30s, I had men stop talking to me. I had men distance themselves from me because I grew a beard because they thought that was rebellious. I thought Jesus had a beard. I didn't know that beards were rebellion. When I stopped wearing ties in the pulpit, I had preachers get upset at me. When I stopped wearing suits in the pulpit, people got so upset at me. We're not supposed to judge according to appearance. The way a man appears is not important. Who he is, that's what's important. If you're, if you're one of those young preachers and you're wearing jeans and a t-shirt in the pulpit, as long as your doctrine's straight, I'm cool with you. Now, you start watering down your doctrine so that you can get more people in, start having 45-minute worship sessions and a 10-minute homily in your service, I'm going to have a problem with that because you no longer are making the Word of God preeminent. Now we have a doctrinal issue. But if you want to wear a beard, you want to wear t-shirts and jeans, you want to stand in the pulpit wearing flip-flops and shorts, I don't care. I'm not going to judge you according to your appearance. The Jews were judging Jesus because he didn't conform to their ideas about holiness. Does that sound familiar to you, church? 1 Samuel 16, 7, For the Lord seeth not as man seeth, for man looketh on the outward appearance, but the Lord looketh on the heart. Folks, we must 
understand that judgment begins at the house of God. And we are allowed to judge, but we better judge ourselves first. We better make sure we are right with God first, or else the judgment that we enact will not be righteous judgment. Thanks for listening this week. Until next time, I'm Dave Mason. Thank you for joining us for Field Notes. If you have been blessed by the preaching and teaching you have heard, consider visiting our website at militaryfellowshipministry.com and click the Donate button. Any amount will be a great help to us as we continue to reach our men and women in the military with the gospel. Join us next week as we continue our study of God's Word. God bless you.